Ready to launch a new career or not sure what to do after graduation? Rumkey is hiring for CDL driving trainees. We pay you to get your CDL license while working for us. Driver trainees receive $18 an hour, great benefits, and Rumkey will pay your CDL costs. Once you're a CDL driver, you can earn $1,000 to $1,300 a week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in your first year. Apply today and launch a lucrative career at Rumkey. Apply now at rumkeycareers.com. Equal opportunity employer restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the GC Suns Cast, a Gold Coast Suns show by fans for fans. And it would not be possible without the help of our Patreon sponsors, Dale Snelling, Jack Stad, Paul Vosti, Robbie Fiorini, Brody Burgess, Kate Kelland, Chris Moore, Tom Kim and Tim. Thank you so much for your support and you can join our Patreon sponsors by heading on over to patreon.com forward slash GC Sunscast. We're also up on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, and wherever you like to get your podcasts from, so like, subscribe, and review. But today's first guest is Eliza Riley, a sports journalist at the Gold Coast Bulletin. Welcome to the show, Eliza. G'day, Shane, and um, as always, thanks for having me and all the other guests you've had over the past few weeks. It's Yeah, you've got a great thing going, and it's um, fantastic to be a part of it. Oh, thanks for that, Eliza. Thanks for giving us some of your time as well, and uh, I can imagine it's quite busy for you these days. It is. I mean, I'm not complaining, though, because we had such a sort of barren period with all the COVID, you know, every day is illegal, it's getting cancelled or shut down. So I'm actually relishing the busyness for once. I'm, I'm very happy to have sport back, you know, sons and community sports, so no complaints here. And you play some community sport, don't you? I, in speaking to you, you said you had training. I assume you had some sort of AFLW training. <laughs> Uh, not quite AFLW standard, Shane, but no. I do play um, for the Broadbeach Cats. We'll give a bit of a plug to them. So if you're looking for a women's footy team on the coast, the Cats are definitely the one to come to. So we've had four games so far, one, two, lost two, and, yeah, we'll see how we go the rest of the year. But fingers crossed. How is women's footy on the coast at the lower league? Like, what sort of sides do you play? Is like, I assume you've got Labrador and I think Cool and Gadda have a side as well, don't they? Yeah, so you've basically got um, your Quaffle W, which is your state league, and, you know, same as Quaffle Men. So in that league, you've got Bond University and Cool and Getter Bluebirds. Um, They're both, you know, sitting one and two on the ladder, respectively. So really exciting in that league. And then you move down to Division One, which is the one the Broadbeach Cats are in. And it's actually quite a Gold Coast-centric league this year. So we've got, you know, us, Burley, um, Southport Sharks have entered a women's team this year, their first ever senior women's team. Then you've got the likes of um, Burley, Robina, I feel like I'm missing one more, but people can go look it up. So <laughs> not a lot of driving for us to Brisbane. So it's actually been really enjoyable this year. Yeah, I can imagine that was probably one of my pet hates when I played for Rabina uh, 10, 15 years ago now. The amount of driving up to Brisbane and further was just ridiculous for a Saturday afternoon playing footy. Um, so, I, yeah, it sounds like AFLW, with the Suns AFLW side coming in, it sort of elevated the status of a, the QAFLW and the likes. Do you feel like you've seen a noticeable improvement or increase? 
hundred percent. I mean, you know, looking at the pure numbers wise, we've had a number of um, you know, Gold Coast clubs who haven't previously had women's sides to put their hand up for that. Um, you know, Sharks are one, Surfers Paradise have started a women's team in the past few years, so the Demons are in the women's league. So pure numbers wise, definitely an increase and talent wise as well, like Obviously, having that AFLW team to aspire to, there's so many girls sort of joining up to the game and girls coming from other sports as well. I mean, like, some of the cross-coders we're seeing are absolutely incredible and can easily sort of go up to that level and match it with some of the girls who've been playing their whole life. So it's a really exciting time for women's um, footy at the moment and especially in Queensland. You know, people always, I guess, you know, Victoria is always seen as the... I guess, you know, talent pool of Australia, closely followed by WA in, you know, most people's eyes, but I reckon Queensland's probably overtaken WA, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, we've seen a lot of improvement, especially in the the men's side, and I can imagine now that we've got a Suns AFLW side and the success of the Brisbane AFLW side in the early years uh, has really sort of skyrocketed the potential for women to play elite sport at at the highest level uh so that's really encouraging and we're seeing that come through the academies i mean lauren bella uh was in a rugby league family as two years ago and now she's in a a, now she's converted and she's a sons player after being in the sons academy for two years um we're seeing a, a really strong spike in in talent coming from queensland uh, so really looking forward to that. I think I saw something the other day about the Suns Academy. Uh, I think this might have been the men's though. But just the amount of talent that is starting to come through and the quality because in the past we've had blokes like Michael Voss who would have been in the Suns recruitment zone if they existed back then. Um, but now we're seeing more of these sorts of players that would normally get passed over sort to come up and aspire to that level. Um, 100%, yeah. So how did you see the Suns in their first AFLW season? Like, they surprised a lot of us, especially qualifying for the final. The The final game probably wasn't a, a great success, but just to get there was a huge achievement, I thought. Exactly that. I mean, they, they surprised so many. You know, all the sort of... Um, as the Melbourne media tend to like to do, they sort of write off, you know, your sort of interstate teams early on in the season. So, um, I mean, personally, having, you know, seen the girls sort of training and getting to know them over the past few months, I thought they were going to be competitive, but in no way did I sort of, you know, lock them into a final spot. So to see them do that, albeit in, um, you know, very sort of strange circumstances. Like, they were still very much in the mathematical equation to make finals, had the season played out its final two rounds. Um, but, yeah, obviously, to sort of get parachuted straight in, they they definitely deserved their spot. And um, they did incredibly well to get there, especially, you know, looking at their list. They don't have the big names of some of the other clubs, but just you look across the whole field and it's just role players everywhere. Um, and, you know, as a consequence of that we've had some of these you know unknown names rise into prominence and like you said wasn't the best ending um with the Fremantle game there but they were just honestly knackered you know going to Perth that five and a half hour flight two times in two weeks 
really did them over. So I, I dare say we'll see a better response from them in 2021. Uh, so where do you think the improvement's going to come from uh, for, for 2021 and beyond? Uh, is it just the synchronicity of the players playing with each other for more than one season? I think that's definitely going to be a huge factor, um, just with that time spent together because you look at the likes of Fremantle, who we obviously played, they had three seasons to develop their list, develop their style of play, and it definitely showed in that final just how strong they were compared to a first-year side. So definitely, um, you know, just having another pre-season under the belt, another pre-season to get that sort of conditioning and um, strength into the girls, especially the younger sort of ones as well. And, you know, just um, getting a bit more talent into the side. You know, the Suns were obviously in the sort of trade period at the moment, um, but by all sounds, they're very keen to sort of go through the draft and they feel like, you know, the likes of Lauren Irons and Jade Progelli, who were sort of plucked out of um, obscurity, they feel like there's plenty more of those mature-age talents out there. So we'll see what they sort of um, pick up in the next few months. Um. So, with obviously no trade targets being linked to the Suns, the only confirmed change we've got is Maddie Roberts. Uh, she's gone on to play another sport, if I'm correct. Is that so? Maddie um, yeah. is actually so she's moved to New South Wales to join the New South Wales Fire Academy. Actually, so ah. she's um, done a bit of volunteer fire work in her time and just decided, you know, look, I really want to um, pursue this as a career, but she's not. They're not calling it a retirement. She's very much, you know, hoping to return to footy in the future, but she just couldn't pass up the opportunity, um, having been selected in the academy. Oh, yeah, all the best to Maddie Robertson, and hopefully we do see her back in Suns colours in uh, future seasons. So, uh, well, you've had the AFLW season start off. I'm going to ask you now, what's one of your most memorable moments with the Suns? Would it be the AFLW season for the Suns, or is there something else that comes to mind? Well, speaking, yeah, of the memorable moments, it would definitely have to be um, earlier this year, like getting to, like, similar to what Tom Boswell, my colleague at the Bulletin, did a few weeks ago, or last year, actually, like just getting to spend a week with the squad and, you know, sort of go to the trainings, go to the line meetings, sit in on the sort of strategy sessions and got to end up going down to Sydney with them as well to sort of watch them run out for their first ever um, AFLW game, which is a pretty incredible experience. But just sort of the build-up to that moment because it was so historic for the club and um, getting to know all the girls personally, it's, you know, they, they could not be a better reflection of the club than those 30 girls who donned the Suns colours this year. Um yeah. So I just, yeah, there's there's a less memorable moment. Do you want to, do yeah, you want to go there? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> this is, I, I don't know why, but when you when you asked me to name my most memorable, like my least memorable came to mind. Um, this is a bit of a scoop for you, Shane, but All basically right. earlier this year, I reckon Tom's the only person who knows this, Tom Boswell. I actually fainted at the Suns press conference. The, the AFL, is it an AFLW one? It was a yep. joint one, so oh, it was okay. Scoot Miller and Paige Parker. Oh yeah, and it was it was announcing the new the trams, how they were painting their faces on the trams and um, generating a bit of interest there. Yeah, and it was like 
dead heat of summer. Um, don't really know what came over me, but I hadn't really eaten that much that day. And I was standing there with my phone sort of record, recording to speak and asking a few questions. And suddenly I just felt this wave sort of nausea come over me. And I just sort of went, oh, geez, this is, this is not looking good. So dead, dead middle of the press conference, I walked away. And everyone's going, where's she going? Um, and I just basically sat down on the, in the tram stop and sort of woke up a few seconds later lying sideways. And I, I don't think to this moment anyone actually saw it. Well, that's pretty impressive. I did a um, work experience at the Gold Coast City Council in my teenage yeah. years and I had a similar incident. I was standing up in the middle of uh, like a, a meeting or something and next thing I know, everyone's around me and I'm on the ground offering me a glass of water. I'm like, what happened? Oh, you fainted. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's it's some weird how that suddenly just comes all over you. Um Anyway, let's get memorable, back on track. Memorable <laughs> in the fact no one saw it, I reckon. So, <laughs> uh, I've met Took before. He's a great bloke. I'm sure if he'd known, he would have rushed to your side to, to help you up and yeah, help you out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, who's your favourite Suns player then? Um, we'll go start with the women's first. And the women's team has to be Kate the Spud Sermon. Um, she's just an energizer bunny um, and, you know, does miraculous things on the field as well. So can't go past Spud in the women's team. And um, moving over to the men's, is, is it too early to say Matt Rowell? A couple games in? No, I think the entire Gold Coast fan base is in love with Matt Rowell. Uh, okay, after what, after two games, we were all on top of him, and uh, I was tempted to name our best and fairest on the show the Matt Rowell Award because it after three straight games, like there was just no point doing votes. It was just Matt Rowell every week. Um, so you've probably got two favourite sons and sons wins. Then I guess a AFLW one and the men's one, maybe. Yep, definitely. Right. Um, yeah, we we'll start with the AFLW can't really go past their first win against the Tigers. Um, that was, you know, awesome day for the club and, yeah, just a bit of, bit of a thriller in the fourth quarter there um, when the Tigers started fighting back. But, yeah, the girls sort of held on and had that historic moment for the club. And then there was, yeah, the first ever home game. You had the big sort of fan photo where all the fans were allowed up onto the ground and took a huge team photo. So that was pretty unreal. Um Men's win. Um, I know it's been mentioned on the podcast before, but I really, I really enjoyed the win last year um, against the Fremantle Dockers and Sammy Collins standing up in the last few seconds to take basically the winning mark against his old side. I thought that was pretty special. Yeah, again, I, it's definitely one that's come up before and definitely one that will keep coming up. That was a very special game. I wonder if Sam Collins feels the same way about that one as everyone else does. Um, so, uh, back over to the AFLW, you, you mentioned the first win against the Tigers, and that does remind me that I, I don't think I've ever really spoken about the AFLW, but I, I came to the Suns' first game, I think they were GWS, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yep. So, I came to watch that. And I thought, oh, I'm here to watch the Suns, support the Suns. But I ended up sticking around watching several AFLW women's games after that because off the 
aggression and the ferocity that women's players attack the ball at, it was not lacking. Um, it, it was almost on a similar level to what you'd expect from the men's side, or at least what we've dished up from the, the Suns men's side over the last few years. But uh, it was certainly entertaining football. It's not It's not for the faint of heart. They, they go straight in there and really put their bodies on the line. So I was really impressed by that. I guess it's just, um, you know, as you probably expect, women have fought, I guess, so hard to sort of gain prominence in the game and they're still sort of copying flack from, you know, mm. people we don't like um, sitting in their corners at home on their laptops. Um, but, yeah, I guess it's just sort of trying to validate their place in the game. You know, they've had to fight harder than anyone else to sort of get a professional league. So, you know, um, they'll go harder than, you know, the most to sort of try and prove those doubters wrong. Yeah, yeah, and they're doing a good job. I can only imagine as the AFL system gets more structured and they actually find a a regular spot for the AFLW because it feels like it's all over the place at the moment trying to uh, like get enough games in and find the right spot of the year to play the games. I mean, we had the COVID issue this year which threw it all out of balance, but they still need to work on that. And once they get that down pat, I think we're really going to see... The, the competition just thrive as uh, people know what to expect and when to expect it. Um, all right, well, let's jump over to the match review for the Gold Coast Suns versus the Saints last week. It was a thriller for another th- Thursday night. That's two consecutive Thursdays the Suns have played and um, both lost by less than a kick. So this one, I feel like this one's a bit easier to stomach. It was certainly an attacking brand of football and something that was amazing to watch. So the Gold Coast Suns, 11 goals, 8.74, were defeated by St. Kilda, 12 goals, 6.78, a four-point loss there. King with three goals, Miller, Powell, and Rankin with two. So... The early criticisms I have from this game was there was no goalkeeper early, which allowed a lot of easy goals out the back to Richmond players. Um, Either that or the players in defence probably needed to be a bit more accountable on their opponents. It just seemed like St Kilda were getting the ball out the back far too easy. Um, Another criticism is our inefficiency at goal continues. So while it was a better result, 11 goals, 8, compared to previous weeks where the behinds have outnumbered the goals, I felt like we missed a lot of easy, gettable chances. Uh, How did you feel on that? I feel like, yeah, definitely in the same ballpark of thinking as you, um, that, you know, like you mentioned, the goalkeeper early, um, I guess the the criticism of playing that really attacking brand of footy and you know pushing as much as you can up the ground is you sometimes get out, exposed out the back and I feel like that's what sort of happened and it's 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 an interesting equation you know how how hard do you push up the ground um, with the risk of it coming back to bite you and I feel like they're still trying to sort of find that balance a little bit um, but yeah just I guess you know fighting back and. Um, trying to will their way back into the contest was um, a really good sign from the boys. Um, but just four points, you know, it, it kills you in seasons like this when there's already less games than there would be in a regular season. 
Yeah, that that goes into the positives, just the ability to fight back, uh, not just once, but twice. So it looked like St Kilda were ahead. They had a couple of times had a run of four goals and got a few goals out, and the Suns were able to just steady and retake the lead both times. Um, However, they they just weren't able to do it the third time. But uh, really encouraging signs. Um, Some really aggressive gameplay. We saw Swallow take a... um, Swallow took a great intercept and passed it off to Rankin, who was able to spot Miller, who was running flat out forward into the to the goals in the first quarter. That was our second goal, and I think that was after the four consecutive goals to, to St Kilda. So just their constant desire to attack the ball and push it forward at all costs really, really helps create that entertaining brand of football. And gives the fans something to be excited about. Definitely, yeah. Just like you mentioned, that player with Swallow. Psst, want to hear something amazing? Oh, and feel free to tell your friends too. So, Coles, they're having a huge sale on summer stuff. And if you live for sunny days like I do, you need to check it out. I got 40% off a new patio set, Food Network Grilling Essentials for 20% off, and 50% off those yard games my kids won't stop talking about. Best part? I got an extra $10 off and some Coles cash. It almost makes being cooped up all winter worth it. Almost. Select style. 10 off 25 offer valid May 27th through 31st. Some exclusions apply. See store or calls.com for details. And Rankin, like, how how perfect was that kick? You could not have hit that kick better, you know, streaming into an open goal. So more, more of that, please. Yeah, definitely. Um, Collins was fantastic in defense again. Like, he just keeps doing it every single game. And I don't understand how so many... Uh, well, Vic Media are bypassing him when it comes to all Australian defenders' talks. Um, he he's just, yeah, he's just so. I, I'm lost for words actually, but he's so important to the Suns. Um, when he you know he knows when to come off his man, he knows when to intercept, and he just does a good job at doing both. I mean, as a as a defender at heart, um, in the Drawbridge Cats back line, I I very much appreciate the craft of defenders, and he's someone I always um, watch when the Suns are playing, just to try and pick a few tips off him. But uh, yeah, like you said, just you know, others probably consider him underrated. Um, but you know, with on the Gold Coast, within the four walls, I think he's you know just about the first picked in defense every week. Yeah, you'd think so. There's a- uh, we'll jump ahead quickly to the news because Thompson returned um, for his first game since hurting his ankle and or knee, sorry, and played 40 minutes of game time on the weekend in a scratch match. So he's coming back, let's say, four or five weeks, maybe before the end of the season, might start putting pressure to get into that back line. But I can't see Collins being moved from def- defence. So... It probably then comes down to a question of whether the club decides to move, keep the same structure and maybe move Ballard out or look at changing the structure up and go a bit taller in defence because I feel like Thompson probably needs to play when he is there. Um, but Colin's going to be his partner in crime, not his replacement. Exactly. Um, you know, we have seen some clubs running with a bit of a taller um, back line, you know, 
the Eagles have a pretty tall backline over in WA, but, you know, we'll see whether that's something that actually works for the Suns and, um, I guess, experiment with it. Yeah, well, uh, let's move into the incredible ridiculous, and the incredible is... Isaac Rankin, Mark of the Round winner for, what are we, Round 11 or Round 10? Uh, But he's finally nailed one uh, after being so close several weeks uh, with either Mark of the Round or Goal of the Round nominations. And this week he is the winner for his specky on, uh, I don't know the bloke's name, who he took it on, but he he was on the the wing and took a great hanger in the the last quarter, I think. Um, yeah, this man, he just, he does so much, doesn't he? He's a bums on seat sort of player and I look forward to going to the footy now just to watch this guy play. It's just, you know, he's the ultimate showman. Um, every time he sort of, you know, leaps into the air, um, whether it's on Jack Steele's shoulders or uh, someone else's, your heart sort of goes into your mouth. But he just always seems to, you know, if he doesn't take the mark to something else, miraculous and you know how how do you reckon he sits with the rising star i think with Rao going out i think yeah he's he's a shoo-in he yeah like yeah he doesn't have the touches that some of his contestants might have but he has the impact and his impact i think is far greater but i don't know how much of a, a son's bias i i'm bringing to this conversation um we we all know that the media down in Melbourne pretty much run the show, and um, you know if they feel someone else is uh, a better suited, they're going to push that agenda. Um, I'll have to chat to some of. I think we've got Riley Beveridge coming up in future episodes. I'll I'll ask him what he thinks. Being a Carlton supporter, he might feel feel either way. But um, yeah, Isaac Rankin fantastic to watch and I was thinking today going to the football tomorrow I am really looking forward to seeing this kid play Mm. and I don't think I've felt that way about going to a Suns game since Gary Ablett was playing for us that says a lot yeah it does just because you don't know what you're going to get from him every when he when you go to go to a game so yeah Isaac Rankin once again I think just like I said earlier Matt Rao should be the uh the uh, best on ground for the GC Suns cast that we should just name the award after him. I'm starting to think we should name this incredible segment after Isaac Rankin because it seems like every week he's the one providing the the content. Um, Next up is Ridiculous. ridiculous. Now, I don't normally like going after the umpires, but I... With the game on the line in the last minute, I don't understand how Patrick Ryder didn't give away a free kick when he basically jumped on wits early before the ball was in the vicinity and didn't get anywhere near it. Uh, It may not have won the Suns the game because it would have given the Saints a chance to flood back in defence, but it certainly would have given the Suns a a better chance, I would have thought, to, to get the ball inside 50 and maybe get that score that we needed. It's it's an interesting one because you often see, you know, very late in games, the umpires sort of putting the whistle away, especially in the close ones. But if the free kick's there, which it obviously was, you know, you still you still got to pay it. And it's, yeah, if we could turn back time. <laughs> 
Yeah, so many situations the Suns have been in this season have resulted in being so close. Um, unfortunately, we haven't walked away with a lot of those wins this year. Last year we did, uh, but we're we're seeing the improvement. And as the, as these boys get more games into them, we will see uh, the the ledger swing the other way as we slowly start to learn how to win and get those get those wins from those sort of positions in the future. So the player ratings for this game, Rankin and Powell had career best games. Rankin, 13 disposals, 2 marks, 13 pressure acts, 274 metres gained. Powell had 14 disposals, 5 rebound 50s. And following up in the midfield, we had Tuke Miller with... Um, a season best performance, seven tackles, 21 pressure acts, and 18 disposals. And Greenwood with 22 disposals, 15 contested, five tackles, and 25 pressure acts. So I criticized last week our midfield for not bringing the effort, the intensity, not bringing the pressure and the tackles. And Tuke Miller and Greenwood stepped up and delivered this week back to their best. Um, Tuke Miller's really come along and looks like a a genuine oh, I don't know whether I'd say A grade but certainly B plus grade midfielder he's having a big impact when he gets the ball and Definitely, Green, yeah. and Greenwood is doing so well in getting the ball out of uh, tough situations and winning it for for our, our other players um, Powell surprised me as a career best game, but he did kick two goals and looked pretty good when he did get hands on his on the footy. Definitely, and when you're impacting on the scoreboard, you know it's very hard to um, you know move yourself out of the side. So I, I I was really impressed with this game on the weekend and just that pure sort of gut running up and down the ground and um, like you said. Five rebound fifties just shows he's doing it at both ends at this point. Yeah, <clears throat> and did you did anyone else stand out for you? I guess being a defender at the Broadbeach Cats, maybe you had your eye on on the defender that got overlooked. Well, we've already we've already sung Sam Collins' praises, um, so <laughs> I feel like that's that's the pick of the defenders for me. Well, what about Jack Lacocious? He coughed up a. A kick out, which directly to a St Kilda opponent, who then slotted that goal. Uh, how often does that sort of stuff happen? Like, I feel like it shouldn't happen, but it clearly does, doesn't it? Well, I have been taking a few kick outs in the last few weeks, so I'm not going to throw myself under the bus <laughs> and say I turn it over. <laughs> I have seen a few horrors in local footy over my years, but not off my own boot, Shane. So. <laughs> All right. Well, all in all, I thought it was a fantastic game of football. Certainly very entertaining to watch and kind of annoyed I didn't go to that game last week, but it was a bit late. So I just had to you know, go home, uh, stay home, watch it on telly and go straight to bed when it was over. But yeah, I'm looking forward to tomorrow's game against the Bombers. Um We've had some changes come in. Holman, Sexton and Sharp are out of the side. Fiorini, Corbett and Flanders are in. What do you make of those changes? I personally like them. 
I like them as well. You know, Corbett's been absolutely tearing it up in the twos, so it's been fantastic to sort of see him um, finally get his chance again in the senior side. Have, um, you, have you been able to uh, meet Corbett before? No, but I have heard from Tom Boswell he's the sort of energizer bunny. So maybe him and um, you know Kate Sermon would be best mates. Yeah, maybe. I'm. I've met him once. Yeah, he just talks so much, and you see him in those videos on the Sun site. He he just loves being in the spotlight and communicating with everyone. So really keen to see him come back in. He didn't set the world on fire last year when he came into the side. But I'm hoping with another season of uh, preseason and understanding the game structure, I'm hoping he can have more of an impact. He certainly looks like a player that could break the game open. Uh, Flanders comes in for his debut, replacing Holman, I presume. So a pressure forward uh, that can go in the midfield and have an impact. Really excited to see what this kid can do. Uh, had good wraps on him, uh, was even touted as going as high as pick five in last year's draft, and the Suns snapped him up for a steal at pick 11. And Fiorini. Fiorini gets his shot back in the Suns' side. He's been unlucky, hasn't been able to break into the side, and when he does, hasn't been able to play in his preferred position. So it looks like he'll be replacing Sharp. And that means he could be playing a bit of wing, not his preferred position, but hopefully, hopefully that he can get some uh, midfield rotations and have a bit of an impact. Yeah, fingers crossed, because you know he's. We know he's a great player, but he's just been, I guess, out of position when he has come in. So, yeah, but it's a hard contested midfield to crack into at the moment. It is. Uh, Sexton's probably the big out. Uh, do you? I was a bit surprised by that. I thought Sexton had done all right lately, but obviously not. Yeah, it's an interesting one because he obviously set the world on fire um, last year and he's been, you know, by by his high standards um, that he set last year, he's been down on those. Um, but with someone like him who's got runs on the board, you'd think you'd sort of back him in for a few more weeks to try and regain that form, but obviously their sort of patience has run out. Yeah, I saw a lot of calls for him to be dropped after that game last week. I didn't quite understand it because looking at his stats, he had a lot of pressure acts and was showing that he was doing a lot of work without the ball, which in my opinion is a bit unusual of Sexton. But I, I feel like that's something that's heavily rewarded in this uh, under the coaching regime of Stuart Jew and co., uh, obviously not. Sexton finds himself up, sharp out. Sharp finds himself out after a debut, which wasn't a great debut. It looked like he struggled with the pace of it. Uh, did you notice much of Sharp when he was playing? Um, well, being from WA myself, I always like to keep an eye out for uh, the WA sort of kids being blooded at AFL level and. Yeah, to be honest, probably the same boat as you. Didn't notice too much of him, um, but we've set very high standards for debutants in Matt Rowell earlier this year, so <laughs> hopefully he gets another crack at it at some point. But yeah, didn't didn't quite set the world on fire and should um, have room to improve at that level. Yeah, I sus- suspect Sharp will get another opportunity. He looked great in the preseason. Uh, obviously, not being able to play regular practice matches, the scratch matches being all over the place. Um, I think he's just struggling with that 
not having the structure that he needs. So yeah. hopefully he can get back in there. And I expect Sharp to be a reg- regular fixture off the Sun side next year. Um, so this game looks like it's a really winnable game for the Suns. The way the Bombers have been playing... I think we're going to have a strong advantage in the ruck in the midfield. I'm not too sure about Essendon's forward line or defence to really comment how we're going to go down there. But if the Suns play the way they've been playing against uh, St Kilda or uh, the Bulldogs, I, I think we're a real chance at winning this game. 100%. And looking at Essendon's... Um backline as it stands, it's actually pretty sort of inexperienced. Like, Adam Saad is probably the most experienced bloke there. So, it's a lot of, you know, sort of second, third, fourth year players, um, and Saad sort of holding down the fort on that flanker spot. So, I reckon there's a real chance for those um, tall forwards, the likes of King and Day, to sort of um, grab the Essendon um, backline by the throat here, and hopefully it's a bit of a tall timber combination, because, you know, those blokes, I know haven't been doing, like, setting the world on fire in the past few weeks, so this could be the game that sort of turns it for that tall combination. Yeah, and throwing a marking forward in there with Corbett certainly gives the Suns plenty of options to either go long down the line or lower their eyes and hit up a leading player. So Mm. hopefully we can see the Suns have a big impact on that scoreboard and test the Essendon defence. So who do you think the leading goal kicker for this game will be for the Suns? Well, sticking with my tall forward theme, I'm going to go um, with Ben King. I'm, I'm picking him to have a big bag. He was good last week. He's had a had a bit of a slump lately, but I felt yeah. like he broke out of that on the weekend. Uh, maybe playing against his brother's side or I don't know what, but he seemed to get the better of Jake Carlisle and really get himself into some good positions, earn a couple of free kicks and take some good grabs. Definitely. Um, the best on ground for the Suns? Best on ground. I'm going to go midfielder because we, we love picking the midfielders for these sort of things. Um, I'm going to go to, to sort of back up last week's form and have another big one. Yeah, I like that. Took Miller. I usually go for the, the, the easy beats in uh, Greenwood or Swallow. But, yeah, Took Miller, I think he'll do well. He's, he's really proving himself so far. So I'm... Yeah, let's lock in Tuuk Miller for that one. Uh, leading goal kicker, I'm probably going to go with... Uh, I love the story of Corbett. So let's go with Corbett. And uh, if he kicks a bag, it's going to be in the papers on mon- uh, what's on t- on Thursday. Uh, just how good Corbett is. So looking forward to that. And to close out to the show, we've got some... Well, it's a bit of late news, but we didn't discuss it last week. Matt Rowell has re-signed until 2023. So we were just talking off-air, Eliza, about how much you love Matt Rowell. And uh, Breit touched on it earlier. Um, Yeah, Matt Rowell fan club just keeps going on, at least until 2023 now. Exactly. And, you know, it just adds on the back of all the other um, young talents we've had signing up in the past few years as well. So... You know, it's it's so good to see this change of the tide and um, the young blokes, you know, committing to the club and um, at least getting another couple of years with them all sort of stuck together is going to be fantastic in the next few years. And I saw an interesting point on, um, you know, social media Twitter the other day saying, like, 
within this Suns 2020 side, there's sort of um, signs of the Lions in 2018, just like, you know, sort of losing close games, exciting, young, talented list. So wouldn't that be unreal? Top four next year, you reckon? <laughs> oh, maybe. I was always a fan of the way the AFL uh, does their fixture of... Um if you finish in the bottom six and you're going to have an easier draw and so forth. But the way the fixture's going next year, it looks like the AFL might have a, a rolling fixture as a bit more fluidity, uh, which could allow for t- compensation if teams start to rise up the ladder early. So, mm. yeah, hopefully we can see the Suns dominate and then be rewarded and really test themselves against some quality opposition when that d- time does come. Uh, we were really keen to see the Suns play against Geelong earlier this year to see just how well they could test themselves. Unfortunately, we lost Matty Rowell in that one. But considering the outcome, I think the Suns did really well. I mean, we saw Geelong absolutely smash St Kilda last night. Uh, So they're not an easy team to beat either. All right. Well, thank you for joining me tonight, Eliza. It's been a pleasure and I look forward to hopefully having you on the show again in the future where we can discuss more AFLW and uh, I can slowly learn a bit more about some of these players because at the moment I think I could only name three AFLW players for the Suns off the top of my head and that would be Kalinda Howarth, Paige Parker and... I would say Kate Sermon, but that's because you've just mentioned it. There's another one. Uh, the Bella. Lauren Bella. You can't even name the captain, Shane. Can't uh, even have them spring to mind for you. Sam Virgo? No, Kate. Tick. Kate Kessler? No, I'm thinking Tesla. Leah. Leah Kessler. Yeah, that's the one. Almost. Almost. <laughs> we'll I was getting mixed up with the assistant coach that the Suns have, Tate Kessler. Tate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for that, Eliza. And uh, yeah, go Suns. Go the Suns. If you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find that place that's in your budget, but also isn't a shoebox. Or a place that's close to your parents, but far enough they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot. If you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find that place that's in your budget, but also isn't a shoebox. Or a place that's close to your parents, but far enough they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot.